Well, you know this is a very special day, don't you? Uh, all the pumpkins alert you to this. It is Reformation Day. It's Reformation Day. You know that, don't you? This is the day 504 years ago when Martin Luther nailed 95 points he wanted to debate on Wittenberg Castle door. And Luther loved a pumpkin latte. And that's why we have pumpkins this time of the year. Now, everything about that was true apart from the pumpkin latte, okay? But I, I, I love to remember that this is Reformation Day. Forget all the rest of the nonsense. Uh, book of the month, five copies left. The God of all things, Andrew Wilson. It's a cracker. Honestly, it's wonderful. Short, short chapters, you'll love it. Only five copies left. Don't fight for it, but first come, first serve. Well, does it make a difference to be a Christian? And what we've been discovering as we've been going through Romans chapter 8 is it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, we've been freed from condemnation. You know, God's condemnation of our sins for our sinful nature. We're freed from that condemnation. We're freed from the enslaving power of sin. And we're freed to um, live righteously by the Spirit of God. And we looked last week about the incredible differences that the Holy Spirit makes when he comes into a person's life. We saw that amazing contrast between those who live according to the sinful nature of the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit. It affects our minds, our desires, and our conduct. And so what should we expect Spirit-filled, Spirit-led um, Christians to, to look like? What should we expect it to feel like for us if we're spirit-filled, spirit-led people? Now, I think there are lots of strange ideas going around out there. Uh, someone posted on social media uh, what a church in Norwich were encouraged to stand and declare last Sunday. It was the, a spirit of expectation declaration. I'll put it up for you on the screen. Uh, maybe too tiny to read, so let me read it to you. This is what they were encouraged to declare last week. Have a think about this. Is this a good biblical statement to make? Today, I walk as a child of God and confess the word of God over every area of my life. I expect an open heaven over my family and loved ones. My family, my home, and my possessions are protected against any accident, incident, Injury, disease, illness, and financial damage. I expect circumstances to align themselves in my favor because I am a child of God. I expect to be healthy, uh, physically fit and strong. I will age, but not decay. I am the head and not the tail. I am at the top and not the bottom. I am the lender and not the borrower. I wait in expectation for your Holy Spirit to release miracles over my life. I choose the spirit of expectation this week. Amen. Wow. Now, that's a very interesting series of things to say, isn't it? Is this what the Bible says I should expect as a spirit-filled child of God? A spirit of expectation? Never experienced accidents, injuries? Don't bother with financial insurance, my friends. Don't bother with insuring anything. Do I, do, should I expect to age but not decay? To always be healthy and physically fit? Uh, to be the one in charge? To expect miracles every week? Is that, is that? Well, what does God have to say? Open your Bibles back up to Romans chapter 8. And let's have a look. This is such a helpful chapter. It's such a helpful chapter because it gives us a true picture of what it means to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. 
suddenly in the book of Romans, the word spirit is all over this chapter. And this morning, I want to suggest that there are three recognizable characteristics of the spirit-led Christian, okay, from Romans chapter 8, what was read to us a moment ago. Firstly, the spirit-led Christian fights sin to the death. Have a look again at Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now you may have had the experience of being asked to do something you really didn't want to do, uh, but because of your relationship with that person you felt obliged to do it. And uh, sinful temptations can uh, pretend to be like this, tapping you on the shoulder and suggesting that you should do some of those old sins that you used to do. It's such an authentic part of you. You can't but help but do them, it says to you. And uh, you must keep doing them. Perhaps it's an old friend who's used by sin uh, calling you up. Maybe it's an old boyfriend or old girlfriend. Or Come on, let's get back together. Let's, uh, let's, let's recreate those wild times of the past. Or maybe it's just... Sin, a temptation knocking on your shoulder, life is tough, you feel miserable and you think, oh, this sin will comfort me. This will help me with the stresses of life. This will help me, uh, the temporary pleasures of sin will be the thing that will fix it. But of course, they only lead to frustration and despair. Um, at that point, when, when, when sin is tapping on your shoulder and say, hey, let's go back to those good old times, the Christian needs to remind themselves you are under no obligation, no obligation to live in the old way of the flesh. And actually, a moment of serious reflection will remind you that those good old days were not good old days at all. They were a source of shame, of guilt, and regret. We need to remind ourselves then when the invitation to pursue other things that lead us to shame and death, that we're under no obligation to live according to the flesh. That's the truth for the Christian. We were made alive by the Spirit. Yes, there's a powerful flesh that kind of pulls us down, but God has given us a powerful gift, His Holy Spirit, who leads us to fight sin. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. And so Romans chapter 8 tells us that actually the Christian lives on a spiritual battlefield. A spirit-filled Christian knows that they're in a conflict zone. Yeah, we're born again by the Spirit of God. And there's new spiritual life in us that want to please God. And yet we still live in this body that is plagued by our sinful nature. It's subject to physical death. And there's this conflict between two parts of ourselves. Such as our fallen human condition that our sinful nature kind of takes the natural desires of our body and just wants to pursue them without restraint. It's perfectly fine, isn't it, to go and enjoy a good meal? But there's something in us that wants to keep going back to the buffet over and over again until you feel sick. 
It's a matter of Christian freedom to have a glass of wine or a beer, but there's something about our own sinful nature that when times are tough, you think, well, I'll just have several glasses more, and in fact, it doesn't stop until drunkenness. It's okay to sleep, but a lazy slugger who never wants to leave his bed will bring great ruin to his life, the book of Proverbs says. You know, it's okay to, um, to achieve things, to be recognized for them, but there's something about us that just craves the spotlight, the limelight, that wants to push others aside so that we can be in the spotlight, so that we can be the center, that we, we boast about ourselves and draw attention to ourselves in lots of ways. That's the sinful nature. It's quite normal uh, to be aware of sexual attractiveness, but it can be a great temptation to dress and act in ways that seek to stir up other people's sexual response. It's natural to have a sex drive, but to, to feed it then with images and, and video that trap you into ever-increasing lust will only bring shame and frustration. To go down the track of inordinate desire is a pathway, the Bible says, to spiritual death. And so the normal Christian life is one of battling sin by the Spirit. That's what it says, isn't it? By the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body. Now, I think we should be aware this is symbolic language. Um, there's nothing wrong with our physical bodies. There's no spiritual benefit to inflicting pain on ourselves. Certain Catholic traditions have encouraged rough, uncomfortable shirts and self-beating or wearing rings with spikes on them or belts that dig into your flesh of no value whatsoever. Others have talked about kind of more of a monastic life, withdrawing from the world, sitting on pillars. They used to do that in ancient history. Uh, equally of no value. Because the problem of our sinful nature is, is the whole of ourselves, our minds and our affections and our will. John Owen uh, wrote a very classic book in the 17th century. And in it, he, he says, this is a metaphorical expression taken from putting any living thing to death. And this is what Owen says. It is to take away the principle of its strength, its vigor, its power, so it can no longer exert influence or power on you. Now, a really old illustration uh, that preachers in the past have used is uh, in the bad old days when people used to bet on uh, fighting dogs. Not encouraging it. I don't want to bring back dog fighting. But uh, the story goes that... Uh, one week, one dog would win. The next week, the other dog would win. Now, what made the difference it was quite simple when you find out what was going on. One week, the cruel owner would feed one dog, and that week, that dog would win. And the dog he starved would lose. See, if we let the flesh live, if we let it grow in strength and flourish, then the real you, your soul, dies. But if you kill the deeds of the body, if you mortify, is the old, uh, old word, uh, mortify your sinful nature, put it to death, the real you, the real soul in you will live. The pursuit of, of sin never produces people who are at peace with themselves, who are really alive. But the person who's repented of those sins and who's actively strangling the life out of those sinful impulses will know soul-satisfying peace and be really alive. So John Owen has this famous quote, Be killing sin, 
or sin will be killing you. So the spirit-led person is actively fighting sin to the death. And the spirit empowers us in this fight, empowers us to choose life and godliness. So quite practically, what have you been feeding on this week? What have you been allowing to nourish you? Is it things that fuel your pride, your, your greed, your ego? Or have you spent time feeding and nourishing your soul in ways that strengthen your humility, self-sacrificial love, and generosity? Because it's a two-sided thing, this, uh, this spiritual battle. It's to choose, in a sense, not to watch certain things, not to read certain things, not to, to avoid places and relationships or situations that you know will, you will face greater temptation to sin against God, to avoid those places, and instead to aspire to, to, to fill your mind and to, to plan uh, to settle your heart on things that lead you to love God, to bless others and serve others, to cherish and delight in Christ so that his glory will displace the far lesser, dissatisfying stuff of this life. So very practically, you know, if you fill your minds and hearts with 10 hours of a week on entertainment and social media and YouTube, but only spend one hour a week coming to church and you never really read your Bible during the week, never make these opportunities to fellowship in small groups and stuff like that, well, it's unsurprising if, you, if you're not growing in joy. <laughs> You're not growing in peace and maturity as a Christian. It's where you're putting your time and your focus, isn't it? So spirit-led Christians fight sin to the death. That's the first thing. Secondly, spirit-led Christian cries out to God as Abba Father. Take a look back at verse uh, 12 at the beginning of that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but not to the flesh, to live according to it. It's an incomplete thought for the Apostle Paul. How would that logically finish? Perhaps something like this. Our obligation instead is to the Spirit who makes us alive. Perhaps that's how you'd end that sentence. But he does not say that. He doesn't talk about this work of um, fighting sin as an obligation. He talks about it as a Christian privilege of being led and empowered by the Spirit. See, our life is in this spiritual battleground where we battle sin by God's spirit but we do so secure as loved adopted children of God so the wonderful thing about this is that we don't have to be slaves to fear in this whole process we're not to leave church today being terrified of the battle thinking oh I'm never going to manage I'm never going to cope No, I want you to leave church today knowing that you are a son, and I'm saying that to you as a woman as well, that you're a son who gets to call out to their heavenly father this week, secure. You see, we're not fighting this fight in order to achieve our own salvation. We're not needing to reach some moral grade. There's not some level of moral attainment and accomplishment. If we get high marks, then, well, we'll earn our way into God's family. No, you are in God's family if you're in Christ. Look at verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption 
to sonship where, you know, if you're a Christian, you're adopted. Maybe some of you are naturally adopted, and that's a great blessing if you've been adopted into a family and found a home that's welcomed and loved you. That's a wonderful thing. But actually, every Christian here, we're adopted into the family of God. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We thought about the difference between God's spirit in your life and not. If God's spirit's in your life, you're in God's family. You are one of God's much-loved children. And it's through, through the spirit of God we're absolutely assured of our adoption. That we know this privilege of sonship. And because we have been adopted into the family of the holy, holy, holy God, that of course we will fight sin to the death. And we do so with this absolute security and confidence of of being loved children. So spirit-led people live their lives in dependence upon God. They cry out to God, not as a remote great architect of the universe or some remote deist God, but as Father, the word Abba is not the 70s pop group who are making a comeback, right? Well, they, they nicked this word. Abba is an Aramaic word, and it's a very intimate word where a, 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 a son would say daddy to his father. It's one that you can only say when you're in the family. Call upon the father. It speaks of this ultimate intimacy. And this is a key characteristic of a spirit-filled, spirit-led person, is that they pray to God with this intimacy as children calling out to their daddy in complete dependence upon him. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? There's one person I can phone any time of the day and night, and they'd be happy to hear me, and that's my dad. Oh, everything okay? That's his first question. How can I help? He wouldn't be annoyed if I phoned him. I'm not going to try his luck tonight, but, uh, you know, he wouldn't be. A beautiful thing. Dad. And this is what God is like. Eager to pick up the phone to God. He's delighted to hear from you. Oh, how can I, you know, he's here for you. Where did the Apostle Paul get such an idea? Well, keep your finger in Romans 8 and turn back to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. It's the day before Jesus will be crucified. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed, if if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
Jesus saw the cup of God's wrath against our sin that he would drink on our behalf and he wondered if there was any other way. In a sense, our salvation hung in the balance of that moment in history and overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus turns to God in prayer. Abba, Father, is there any other way? No. There was no other way we could be saved. And so in dependence on the Father, he commits himself to the way of the cross. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Now come back to Romans 8. You see, Jesus encouraged his disciples to watch and pray so they would not fall into temptation. They would learn from him in his hour of trial. And so the Spirit-filled Christian fights sin to the death, crying out to God as Father, secure in his love and dependent on his resources. And so my Christian friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you are loved and God delights to hear and receive your prayers as you cry out to him. When you feel temptation pressing in, cry out to him. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Thirdly, the spirit led Christian, shares in Christ's suffering. Look at verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Now, in the Song of Songs series, um, I had to encourage the men to to do an unusual thing and to see themselves in the Song of Songs as the, as the woman. Because the Bible sees that the church is the bride of Christ. Now I want to encourage the women to do something slightly odd. I want you to see yourself as a son. Because this matters in the, the context of Roman law. In Roman law, the adopted son shared all the rights and privileges of the natural born son. They had equal footing so they too shared all the inheritance rights of natural-born sons. It didn't include the daughters, but you know. So think of yourself as sons, as women. Adopted into God's family means that we are heirs of God, our Father. It's not that God's ever going to die, but all the blessings, all the resources God stored up for his son become ours. To be co-heirs with Christ means that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is our brother, and all his inheritance is our inheritance. And so what's that inheritance this morning? Let's think about this inheritance. It can be summarized with one word, glory. We will share in his glory. And that includes the redemption of our physical bodies. There's, there's, There's... You know, these bodies may well die and crumble to dust, but when Christ returns, the dead will be raised. And we're going to get something better than these physical bodies. We're going to get these resurrection bodies that are going to be good for all eternity. No longer subject to the curse. There's a day coming when there's no more aches and pains. There's no more decay There's no more aging, there's no more diseases, there's no more indignity, there's no more dying. Glory. And we'll receive these resurrection bodies in a redeemed and transformed world. 
Sin and suffering will be no more. Glory. And we don't have to earn and grasp, you see. We don't have to have a, a bucket list. We have to do everything before I die. Oh, do more useful things than that because you know what? You're going to inherit the whole world anyway in Resurrection Day. You want to see the Alps? Wait till, wait till Resurrection Day. They'll probably still be there. You can go and visit them, right? We'll get it all. We're co-heirs with Christ. And it's going to be co with Christ and co with his people. We're going to, what a day of reunion it's going to be as we think of those dear loved ones we've lost over the last year or two. They're not lost. They're just waiting for us. And that day, glory, when we will see Jesus face to face. But the spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian knows that the way to sharing Christ's glory is to follow the same pathway of Jesus, which is to go the way of suffering now and glory to come. Jesus faced opposition. He faced suffering from a world that rejected his claims and his lordship. And if we identify with Jesus, we're going to also share in that same suffering. And the spirit-filled Christian has the courage to stand for Christ, to say no to their sinful nature, to, to forego some things that others are freely going for, say no to that, to, to be willing to stand with Christ, even though that might mean opposition and hardship because people don't like Christ's lordship. But the spirit-filled Christian will stand with Christ now. So just think back to that prayer, uh, that declaration that church used in Norwich. Um, Move it forward a bit. I think it's a false expectation on a number of levels. Number one, I don't talk to my earthly father like this. I don't phone him up and say, uh, declare my expectations of what he's going to do to make my life great. That's not a way I treat my dad. I don't think I'm going to treat God like that. This is certainly not how Jesus prayed, was it? Yet not my will, but your will be done. If anything, this sounds like the prayer of the prodigal son to his dad when he'd had enough. Give me my inheritance now. You see, this is a prayer of expectation of glory now, isn't it? What it's claiming is, I want glory now. I don't want suffering or setbacks in my life now. I don't want financial hardships or difficulties. I want glory now. And it kind of suggests if we're children of God, then there should be no struggles, there'll be no diseases or illnesses. But that's not what Romans 8 has taught us, has it? As, as, chapter, as chapter 8 closes, we're going to see that Christians do experience suffering now because we're children of God. Exactly because we are children. We might well experience trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and even violence. And we will know conflict with our sinful nature. Struggles and suffering come because we are Christians. It's not telling us that something is wrong in our lives. We are to be like Jesus. To follow the pattern of his life. What happened when the Spirit came on Jesus at his baptism? He went out to fight against the temptations of the evil one. 
He refused to obey the devil. He refused to fulfill uh, uh, what the devil was trying to do to, to satisfy his own appetites for food or glory. But instead, he submitted himself to God's word. And we've seen in the garden, in dependence upon God, he chose the way of suffering and the cross, knowing that this would secure our salvation and future glory. There is glory to come, my friends, but it's not yet. We are being led by the Holy Spirit to fight sin to the death, to cry out to God as Abba Father, to share in the sufferings of Christ, and through it all, we are assured that our destination is glory for eternity. Ray Ortland, if you move the slide forward again, Ray Ortland wrote this wonderful tweet as we think about the work of God's Spirit in our lives. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit is not a performance-enhancing drug for Olympic Christians. He is life for the dead, strength for the weak, hope for the exhausted, cleansing for the filthy, wisdom for the wayward. Our dear friend, the Holy Spirit, is through the merit of Jesus for us. So I want us to go out with confidence and joy this week. The Spirit is for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege is ours to call you the eternal God, our Father. And we come to you knowing that there are many needs in our congregation, many needs in people's lives. And Father, we look to you because sometimes we don't know how we're going to make it through. And so we cry out to you, Abba, Father, by your Spirit. Empower us to live for Jesus this week. Empower us to live righteously. Empower us to be freed from the enslaving uh, works of the evil one and of our sinful nature. Well, Father, thank you for the joy of what is ahead. Uh, give us that uh, hope that will help us persevere. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.